Until now, the SAT and the ACT have been the only game in town when it comes to college admissions. But our guest today is the founder of a game-changing new assessment. Jeremy Wayne Tate will tell us all about the classic learning test. Stay with us. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Before we get started, remember to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're watching on YouTube, click the bell to join our channel. Hello and welcome. I'm Lisa Maladnik, your host. And today's guest is Jeremy Wayne Tate, the founder of the Classic Learning Test. Jeremy Wayne Tate founded Classic Learning Initiatives in 2015 to provide high school students with alternative standardized tests that are rooted in tradition while taking advantage of modern technologies. Featuring passages from great works across a variety of disciplines, the Classic Learning Test suite of assessments provides an accurate and rigorous measure of reasoning, aptitude, and academic formation for students from diverse educational backgrounds. You can find Jeremy Tate at cltexam.com, that's in our show notes, and you can follow him on Twitter at, at JeremyTate41, it's just the way it sounds, J-E-R-E E-M-Y-T-A-T-E number four one. Welcome to the program, Jeremy. Lisa, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, yeah. And, and we are uh, recording well in advance of when this will air. But I just want to congratulate you again on your newest little one in the house. Uh, oh, thank you. He's doing well. Doing well. Baby six. Uh, if, you're, if you're Catholic with, with a bunch of kids, you need a Joseph at some point. So it's Joseph <sighs> Scotty Tate, but he goes by Scotty. <laughs> so a uh, Joseph in the year of St. Joseph and Colin and Scotty, that's so sweet. Um, step yeah. us into your background and what kind of formed this philosophy of education that drives you with the CLT. Yeah, you know, I, I was a public school student, uh, K-12, had a, a great um, mom who was a wonderful teacher. All my friends who had her you know, would, would say she's really the best teacher that they ever had. So I was always inspired by great teaching. Um, but didn't get a Christian education. I think we went to some okay churches at times, but I, I don't think I, in any way I internalized uh, the goth gospel or the Christian faith uh, until I was about 18 years old uh, at a Young Life camp. And I think I heard in kind of a new way uh, that forced me to kind of actually deal with it. Uh, the realities uh, of sin, of brokenness, of fallenness, uh, the offer uh, of redemption and forgiveness in Christ. So I had a, had a conversion when I was 18 uh, and because I wasn't, uh, you know, we, we went to Baptist churches, Presbyterian, Methodist growing up, I wasn't committed to any of those traditions. When I, when I really kind of embraced my faith, uh, I was kind of on a mission to find where, you know, you would find the most authentic, genuine article uh, of Christianity. Uh, the last place I thought I would find that would be the Catholic church. Uh, but I, I ended up going to seminary. Uh, and I, along the way, I started reading a lot of Chesterton, a lot of Peter Kreeft, a lot of Scott Hahn. Uh, one thing led to another, and I came into the church in uh, 2010. Whew, praise God and welcome home. <laughs> Amen. That's really amazing. 
Oh, so so um, you had mentioned before that you were you were actually in seminary. You had a lot of contact with the St. Paul Institute. You've been you've had a drive in you for the truth. You've had a drive in you for the highest possible standards. And here you are creating this alternative to this this kind of monolithic uh, college admissions machine. Uh, just step us into how yeah. you got there. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean. These, these tests, I always give the disclaimer, like, look, testing can sound really boring sometimes for a lot of people at first, but it is, it really is kind of the engine that drives mainstream K-12 education, right? Testing drives curriculum. I knew that. And I saw that as a teacher. Um, but what, what really happened, you know, so, so Catholicism 2010, uh, kind of derails my, you know, my career, my, my professional life for one, cause I was going to become a pastor. I was in seminary. Uh, and so the easiest way to, uh, you know, take care of at the time for kiddos was getting into SAT, ACT prep. Uh, and so I started prepping students on the SAT and ACT. I then started a, a company, St. Catherine's SAT prep, uh, named after St. Catherine of Alexandria, uh, second century, first century saint, I believe. And, um, and then when I really got immersed in the SAT, I was really shocked with what I saw. Uh, and so I think at best, uh, the passages were just painfully boring. Like that was just a best case scenario, meaningless passages. But then they were often also politically biased as well. And then I noticed what was missing uh, and that, you know, College Board, the most powerful education company in America, really censors, you know, the entire Christian intellectual tradition completely, right? Which is, of course, the tradition that has been the tradition of the West. It has been, it, it is the tradition that gave birth to universities. Uh, it put the uni and universities, that's how they came to exist in the in, in Christendom, medieval Christendom. Um, and so I thought, wow, this is really wild that here you have the most powerful education company, not just College Board, but Pearson ACT as well. They're driving curriculum and they're giving kids this completely lopsided, just off view of history by excluding the most influential thought tradition. Um, and so I kind of had the idea of, you know, what if, instead of having assessments that drive away uh, and then avoid these kinds of texts, what if there was a test that was full of, you know, St. Catherine of Siena and Flannery O'Connor and Chesterton and C.S. Lewis uh, instead? That was kind of the idea. I remember very clearly being in coffee shops, tutoring students, and we're reading some passage a couple of times, you know, there was a handful of old SATs I would use. And one of them, it was a very um, just negative view of marriage being presented. And I remember thinking, wow, what if, Instead of this, we were reading a passage about the mystery of marriage and the paradox, you know, giving yourself away and finding yourself and, and you know, this pouring out to find fulfillment um, and, and nothing like that was present. And so just started to kind of dream big. And um, yeah, the CLT story has been very providential. I, I, I think in some ways when I when I launched it, I didn't I didn't think the chances of success were very high. It seemed kind of like a Hail Mary. You know, like if you change this one thing in education, like the test, you can kind of change the whole thing. Uh, but so many people have rallied behind it. It's just been amazing. It's been a, it's been an incredible six years so far. Wow. It, even though I, I remember from when my daughter was in the public school through the fourth grade that they wasted so much great time when they could have really been learning teaching to the upcoming tests. It yep. never really, I never connected the dots in my mind that those tests drive curriculum. And it makes perfect sense. That's really amazing. Um, 
And also the fact that you said that they're really indoctrinating our children, too, as you have to prepare for that test in order to succeed at that test. You have to think for the test. Oh, yeah. And what, what they put on there, I mean, again, best case, it's boring. But I mean, College Board 2019, summer 2019, students are reading Bernie Sanders on the SAT, right? It was wild, wild stuff. And so CLT, we're, we're trying to, you know, get away from um, hot button political issues, you know, right now and instead put students in front of timeless authors uh, that, that have really changed, you know, the course of history. Yeah, and I know that um, one of one of the issues that you address on your website is this: this exam is designed to be uh, kind of a big tent where a lot of academic diversity can thrive. Would you address that? Absolutely. I, I think uh, I love that you asked that question. You know, we've got an academic board at CLT with some names that people are kind of surprised uh, to see go together. Uh, Corona West has actually become a very good friend kind of through a Robby George connection. And, uh, you know, Corona West for a guy who's an open committed Marxist um, can defend the, the tradition of Athens uh, and Jerusalem, I think more powerfully than anyone else uh, in the way that these particular traditions have uniquely and super powerfully contributed to, to the whole world and that they're the inheritance uh, of the whole world. And so, you know, we put guys like Cornell West was, I think, some of the top thinkers in the Catholic world. Laura Burke West is a dear friend. She's the founder of Mother Divine Grace. Uh, her husband, Mark, was, who was passed on now, was one of the founders of Thomas Aquinas College. Um, uh, Elias Moo, uh, he's a, the Catholic superintendent uh, of the Archdiocese of Denver. Uh, he's a dear friend. He spoke at our, our recent event with our board. Uh, Daniel Villargen, uh as well. Daniel is a Catholic superintendent of uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. I think one of the most forward-thinking guys about things like accreditation, uh, how you have Catholic schools that have to bend over backwards to meet requirements uh, of accreditation bodies that are in no way uh, aligned or even slightly concerned about the mission and the, the identity of these schools. Wow. Yeah. There, there's a lot of renewal that needs to happen. I hate it's kind of a hackneyed term, but we need to wake up. Yes. Amen to that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. So when you look at the, the impact that you hope to have with this test and impact that you're seeing now, just give us a sense of what the rollout of this other opportunity, uh, you know, is impacting and how it's bearing fruit. Yeah, love, love that question. You know, Lisa, I'm a youngest child, uh, youngest only boy in the family. And, and so it's easy to take on kind of, I love that my day job is, is being a troublemaker. Uh, <laughs> so we are very intentionally wanting to pick a fight with the educational establishment uh, in college board in particular is kind of the main player in that. Um, yeah. And again, with that, I think it's been very providential the way that, that people are, have reached out. Uh, I think most people that we have on staff here, it's because they have kind of knocked on the door and said, I love CLT. This company can totally change education. I want to be a part of what's happening here. Um, and so it's been, I think that's how we've grown. I and mean, I went full-time in the summer of 2016. Now we're up to 23 or 24 full-time and then a whole bunch of part-time and kind of freelance people in addition to that. Um, so it's been, it's been really, really amazing. I mean, the first test that we ever had nationally in 2016, we had 40, I think seven students total nationally. And, you know, now we're at 40, 50,000 students per year um, and, and on a track to double per year uh, as well, which is just uh, really, really amazing. And, you know, I think especially we think uh, we're having a lot of interesting conversations with the way the 
the kind of that classical brand um, is being processed within Catholic circles, you know, and a lot of the Catholics I respect will say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If a Catholic school or a Catholic homeschool is just being authentically Catholic, it's totally classical. And I, I'm very sympathetic. I, I think that that's accurate, you know? Um, and so I think for, you know, some, some of the Catholic homeschool families I even connect with, um, you know, the, the classical renewal movement in some ways seems like a new thing, but really I think what it is, is, is a broad rediscovery uh, of this tradition. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I can't help thinking as you're mentioning parents and homeschoolers and these perceptions of what education is and what mm -hmm. it is to educate our children in the faith and all of that is that parents groups in response to so much overreach and indoctrination in the public school system and even in private schools have been mm -hmm. rising up. There's this sleeping giant awakening and pushing back. And I feel like I want to call the heads of every parents group across the United States and say, you got to talk to Jeremy. Oh, I, I appreciate that. And I'm trying in some ways, you know, to, to kind of sound an alarm and, and, and not do it in any way that's extreme or radical, but like we have to stop and consider that, that what is being pushed in mainstream K-12 education would not be recognizable as education in any capacity to America's founding generation, Right. I mean, what, what was education to, let's say, Ben Franklin or Thomas Jefferson or Abigail Adams or even Frederick Douglass, right? Uh, education was, it was one, is a cultivation of virtue, right? Uh, education meant a deep dive into philosophy, logic, classical languages, rhetoric, grammar, all of which are gone. Penmanship, right? All of which are gone. Everything America's founding generation thought was most important and education is completely absent now from K-12 mainstream education. So we're trying, I think intuitively, I think parents know this. I think intuitively they know that there is something profoundly amiss. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of parents as we're recording this are very excited about the, the wins in Virginia uh, last night and perhaps New Jersey as well. And I think that's exciting. Uh, but at the same time, I, you know, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but, you know, a, a secular progressive school uh, that no longer teaches critical race theory uh, is still a secular progressive school, right? Uh, and the crisis that is going on in education has really, really predated any of these conversations about kind of the newest wave of bad ideas that is being poured into them. Mm, yeah. And and I, I just hope that now that we're in motion and parents have discovered, you know what, we can work together really well. Um, I, I heard, and as we've, I've said before, this, this will air a, a ways after we're recording it. And this is literally the day after the big Virginia gubernatorial race and, and the race in New Jersey. But I heard a parent say on Laura Ingram last night, we are good people. We're not racists. And I don't like to get super political on this show, but I just want to say that that's the kind of burden that's being laid on children. And we know as homeschoolers, typically why we homeschool is we want them to have the faith and they, we want them to know their dignity in the eyes of God, their dignity as rooted in and coming from Jesus Christ. And mm. so 
Um, you know, this just, I just think this is a phenomenal, you know, I really pray, it seems from your growth too, that the hand of the Lord is, is really on this. And, and I know that God is causing a lot of beautiful things to rise up. Um, uh, step us into just so parents on the practical level can start to move in this direction. What kinds of resources do you offer students that help them get ready to, to use the CLT, to prepare for college admissions, that sort of thing? Yeah, there's three main uh, tests. And so uh, there's a CLT, which is the college admissions test, but then there's also alternatives to the PSAT, both for ninth and 10th graders, and then also for seventh and eighth graders. And so as college board is kind of pushing down into lower grade levels, especially seventh and eighth, CLT wants to be there to provide an alternative uh, to those as well. And in fact, the CLT 10 uh, is actually our most popular test by far. Parents actually can administer it to their own children at home and it is still tied to scholarship dollars. And, and often we say, you know, I got to tell you, we've had people scratch their head and say, wait a minute, you know, parents are administering it and, and it's still going to be eligible for, for CLT national award recognition, $2,500 scholarships. Uh, and we say yes, actually, because we believe parents are fundamentally trustworthy. Uh, and I, I think it's, it's a real point of departure for us with, I think, kind of the mainstream K-12 environment where there's uh, just a complete lack of trust in parents as, as the Catholic church has always taught the primary educators of their own children. Yeah. Amen. And that distrust is very strategic. It is aimed at kids. It undermines their, the relationship in so many ways mm -hmm. from, you know, handing out birth control to any other thing that causes the child to say, oh, the state is really what's on my side. And that's such a Marxist position. The state uh, becomes the parent. Yeah. 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 So um, what kinds of feedback are you getting from just give us a general, you know, touch on colleges, students, parents. What are you getting back from this process? Yeah, it's been a couple things, you know, so it's been really powerful connecting with colleges uh, and hearing that, that CLT has become a pipeline for what a lot of them describe as the very best students that they're getting on campus. Yeah. About percent of our homes of our students overall are homeschool students um, and on the Catholic side you know we work very closely with schools like Benedictine Franciscan Wyoming Catholic Thomas Aquinas College University of Dallas um, and they love CLT test takers these are students that are either coming from a great uh, Catholic brick and mortar you know schools like the Heights uh, in, in Maryland or uh, you know Colby Seton Mother Divine Grace uh, Catholic homeschool students uh, as well and you know, Lisa, we we actually just transitioned that ourselves. We were we were homeschooling as a Catholic family for the past four years, and then we just had uh, two very close back to back, so taking a little bit of a break. Uh, but I, you know, I think the preferred model is is homeschooling, and you know, if education is fundamentally about human formation, um, I think the very best case for homeschooling is actually meeting. Uh, these young uh, Catholics that have grown up with this kind of formation, um, they're just really, really, really different. You know, one of the uh, experiences I had this past spring, I was out visiting Wyoming Catholic College in uh, Leander, uh, Wyoming. Uh, and in fact, they, they've got some great uh, attire there. W one of their shirts you can get says, we are, you know, the only college where you can have a, uh, a gun, but you cannot have a cell phone. Uh, so they're doing things a bit different out of Wyoming Catholic College, but you, know, you, you get around these students and, the, and, and I think the majority of students at Wyoming Catholic were homeschool students. Um, and at Wyoming Catholic, they give up their phone for four years to go there. 
And I kind of felt like I was talking to like a different species almost. You know, I'm so used to 18, 19, 20 year olds just fidgeting with their device all the time. To be around these young people that has, haven't touched a device in months was really, really refreshing. So, yeah, I think that some of the, the, these partner colleges, and, and this is one other point, you know, SAT, ACT also drive college enrollment, all right? And so the way that this whole system works is that kid takes the PSAT, what happens next? Well, College Board sells all of their data to a thousand or more colleges a lot, right? And that's why the next thing that happens is your mailbox gets flooded with colleges, right? And CLT also, we've always said this, we, we've done this since 2015, 2016, we work with colleges in the enrollment capacity, but we're only working with colleges that we actually want and think people to go to. And, and look, the big Penn States of the world have no interest in working with CLT either, right? We have a mutual kind of dislike, right? I don't think those universities are offering formation. I think often a kid goes to one of those universities and they come back worse than when they left as an 18-year-old. They're doing deformation, uh, if anything. Um, but Christian, Wyoming Catholic, Franciscan, Benedictine, University of Dallas, these are amazing, amazing options. Uh, and and CLT is playing a big, big role in introducing families to these schools and also getting them really, really top scholarships. I was at a Benedictine this past August, incredible school, I think dripping with Catholicism, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, and I met about 20 students on campus there that were there on CLT scholarship, which was amazing. Wow, wow. The, the term parallel society keeps flashing in my mind, that this is something so luminous, so mm. true and good and beautiful, that the impact just can't help but be magnified by God, that God is going to have it, you know, sort of that light will be bouncing off into society and attracting people who maybe can only think one way and then see people living another way and get really attracted to that and start to sense, you know, that just like when you see a beautiful sunset or something, you sense something greater, right? It expands your heart and you start to long for something greater than yourself. And I feel like this can be a part of that. Um, what else do we need to know, so, Jeremy? I'm sure I'm not asking all the best questions. What else would you like? Yeah, no, I think one of the real gifts of doing this has been that I think CLT has been able to get kind of a, a bird's eye view in some ways and, and get a good a good sense of how rapidly this movement uh, is growing uh, right now. And I think one of the things that COVID did was make families uh, hyper aware of what's happening. And I think families have to make really, really hard choices. You know, when we made the decision about five years ago uh, <clears throat> to pull our kids out of public school and into homeschool. At that time, I mean, CLT was still very much in infancy. The future of it was very uncertain. We certainly couldn't afford to do it. It meant taking on debt. Nothing made sense on paper about making this decision. My wife had to stop working outside the home completely. But God really, really blessed it in ways that we couldn't have possibly seen uh, in really powerful ways. And so, you know, I, I think for a lot of your listeners, Lisa, you know, what you're doing is really hard. And, uh, and you don't see the fruit often immediately. Right. You do see the fruit, but it, sometimes it takes uh, a couple of years. I think about my my oldest daughter and and we're so, so close now. She's a 10th grader and she's at a at a high school run by the Dominicans out of Nashville Mountain Sales Academy this year, but was was homeschooled before that. Um, and when we pulled her out of uh, you know public school, the end of fifth grade, I think she just kind of developed a bit of an edge, kind of some sassiness. I think she had ingested uh, what was normal in terms of kind of interacting with parents uh, and it is it is so good now, but it wasn't that wasn't easy. I think it was fruit that 
came through uh, some nights with a lot of tears and um, yeah, but, but the fruit comes, I promise you that. And so if you're listening to this, you know, hang in there, you're doing good work. You're doing the work God's called you to, uh, and, and he will bless it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right, everybody, I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. Um, please reach out to Jeremy Tate. Go to cltexam.com and find him, follow him on Twitter at JeremyTate41. And any anything else, anything lingering, final thoughts beyond that, Jeremy, that you'd like to leave I think us just, with? Just a big, a big thanks. I'll leave you with a final story. We, you know, one, one of our schools that adopted another great school, uh, University of Mary in North Dakota, I have not visited that yet, but I need to at some point and hopefully before it gets too much colder. Um, but, you know, when they adopted, this was probably 2017, uh, the, the the VP of enrollment said, you know, we, we had no interest in, in doing this. This is uh, hard for us to change our admission standards. Um, but so many parents uh, and students uh, have asked us about this that we feel like we've got no choice. And so CLT is where we're at because of parents, I think especially Catholic homeschool parents, uh, that have advocated for us. So I just want to communicate just deep, deep gratitude on my part for that. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. I love that as a as a human family, as the body of Christ, how we can advocate for something. We see something beautiful and valuable, and we can stand up for it and make a difference. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Appreciate your time and your enthusiasm and the heart you have for God. Lisa, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. And thanks for all the great work you're doing as well. Oh, thank you so much. All right, everybody, stay tuned for our short feature coming right up. Hi, everyone. I'm Chantal Howard with From Ideal to Real. Excited to come to you today with another episode helping you to hone your homeschooling, bringing those lofty ideals down into reality so that you can keep going and make progress towards the goal of wholesomeness, virtue, and excellence in your home and homeschooling. So today I come to you with the idea of a tool to help you break open conversation and impediments when you butt heads with your young adults, your teenagers, maybe even your tweens who are inching up into the big reality of self-awareness in life. It's often hard and disillusioning for young people to discover that, guess what? Mom and dad aren't perfect and neither are you, right? So as they come to this space of awareness, it's important that we help nurture them. And this is an exercise that the whole family can get behind because as parents, we need to be self-aware as well. So we're going to lean into a quick little personality assessment that is based on the four traditional temperaments that go all the way back ancient to Hippocrates and to the Greeks. And some of you may be familiar with the sanguine, phlegmatic, choleric, and melancholic temperaments. But this quick assessment is simply going to offer you a chance to enrich conversation and open up discussion. And so basically what I want you to do is I want you just to take these four areas optimistic responsibility, mastery, and care with the values listed and invite your teenager, your tween, your young adult to read through these values and simply ask them in 90 seconds or less, which of these would you like 
to put as the highest priority in your life? Which one do you identify with the most? Which one of these characteristics, these groupings of characteristics, do you feel is most like you? Okay, and they're going to put them in order. Now, for those of you that can't see the screen, each of these cards has about 12 attributes, 12 different types of attributes or traits. And basically, they're just going to arrange them in order. So optimistic has things like sociable, outgoing, confident, optimistic, spontaneous, stories, freedom, flexibility, action, competition, winning, fun. Responsibility sounds like passionate, structure, duty, rules, tradition, ambitious, stability, leader, motivating, usually right, or at least they think so, and focused. Mastery looks like organized, an executive planner, scheduled, oriented, detailed, independent, cautious, intelligent, logic, self-mastery, technology, universal truths, morality. And calm looks like community, charity, ethics, harmony, artistry, contribution, quiet, content, consistent, nurturing, peacemaker, curious. These qualities are there for you to explore with your teenagers. And when they put them in order and they come up and they say, guess what? I'm an O-R-M-C or a C-M-R-O or an R-M-C-O, whatever it is, you're going to open up conversation from there and begin to realize, and first of all, how they see themselves. And then you can begin to help them to understand how to leverage their strengths, manage their weaknesses, and become more well-rounded. Now, of course, assessments and personality tools are not meant to put people in boxes or to be an excuse for bad behavior. So don't let this go too far without those caveats and rich discussions around virtue and growth. Our strengths, too magnified, become prideful and become a liability. At the same time, weaknesses not addressed can become deep, dark pits of struggle. And so we want to grow in virtue. And this is a great conversation starter, one that I promise will have lots of laughter and fun, and you'll be able to connect with your young people where you have common strengths and where you're different and your genetics show up because one's more like dad than the other, or one's more like mom than the other. You're going to have robust conversation. And I guarantee you, you're going to have a blast breaking open those stuck conversations and just moving hearts and minds towards excellence. Thanks so much for listening in today. I look forward to another episode of From Ideal to Real. You can follow me at chantal-howard.com where I would love to encounter you and help coach you forward to success. And you can also find me at aromarosary.com where you will find essential oils and the rosary together in one rich combination. I hope to hear from you and connect with you on Instagram as well. Take care for now, and I'll see you again next time. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you, and thank you for joining us.